On this week's episode, Dragon Ball is super at the box office. HBO enters the House of the Dragon. And will the world be saved again by Archer? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, The Lakers Fast Break, The Happy Hoarder, Humanican Media, and everything that we do today and every day at the Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, including the fact that we are the number one tabletop RPG streamer that's out there on Facebook. Plus, we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture every single day right there on Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. And if you can support all that, plus everything that we do all over on social media at the Pop Culture Cosmos and our website, popculturecosmos.com, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He is our own guy from the Borderlands that you got to go ahead and check out today at Humanican Media. The Happy Hoarder, coming up soon. Plus also as well, PopCultureCosmos.com. Also the great podcast that you got to go ahead and check out today called the Super BS Gamescast. And of course his book, Congratulations, You Suck. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? What is up? Dude, I got to say that I, I enjoyed that countdown timer that you had. Like that was probably my favorite one that you that we've ever used. So... There you go. Shout out to Restream on that one. There yeah. you go. I, I just wanted to make sure to let you know that I had to think of that on the fly with the Borderlands. Uh, I was thinking about that. You're our own Dragon Ball Z, yeah. but uh, yeah. So I'm you know, you know my my problem with like printed shirts, like the pop culture shirts, they shrink mm-hmm. so fast. Most of them do. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. And it's hard to find like a good quality shirt that you can like put through the dryer because it yes. makes me feel like I'm getting fat. You know, like it's just like it. <laughs> I, I like like right here like I can't there's no like clearance between like my arm and the sleeve and it just makes me feel well I'm like... wearing the Star Wars Rise of the Resistance the awesome ride the best mm-hmm. ride on the planet which is available now at Disneyland and Disney World I got this in the first few weeks and mm-hmm. the thing is when you buy these shirts at Disneyland they're like 20 30 or, you know I got I think I got this uh, on eBay because they were already sold out at Orlando I went and got this you spent 30 35 dollars whatnot on these shirts and especially the ones at Disneyland they just stop fitting right after like one time and like you said you put it the dryer through one time and it's already done exactly exactly and you know with with something you buy from Disneyland for $45 or, or more, you know, you should be able to get something that's like quality. That's going to like, that will Every literally shirt have, I've bought. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Not. 
if it gets a hole, it should like literally be able to restitch itself. Like that's what you should get from it. You would think, but instead I got shirts that like stretch themselves out. Looks like dogs have been fighting with this and just chewing it on the sides. And mm-hmm. yeah, I've got other shirts, Star Wars shirts that I bought there and other shirts I bought there that are in really bad shape after like two or three washings. I don't even wear anymore. Yeah, it just it's just a shame. Yeah. But the one that does work, the one that's been around for a while that's still in great shape wouldn't you know it's the mickey mouse shirt i wear funny how that works out yeah they're looking out for their own brand that's what they got to do that's what they got to do indeed but we got a great show on tap we're going to be hearing josh's thoughts on dragon ball super superhero we'll tell you how super did at the box office coming up here in a minute plus hbo debuts house the dragon what will everybody think of what's going down with this prequel to the awesome Game of Thrones series. Well, that's coming up in a bit. Plus also as well, Madden is out, but do you care? We'll talk about the Madden NFL series coming again to video games and how it is here, has arrived, and really not come out with a whole lot of fanfare. We'll talk about that. Plus also as well, another video game that is coming out this week is the reboot of Saints Row. Are we excited or are we concerned about Saints Row coming out this week? Plus also as well, we will go ahead and talk about the Embracer Group and about its latest acquisition last week of the rights to much of the Lord of the Rings. Is this actually a good move? And what exactly does this entail? We'll talk about that coming up on the back end of the show. Archer is back on FX this week. That's in season 13. We will talk about this under the radar, very funny, pretty darn good show that's been around forever, yet nobody seems to talk about it. But we will talk about that coming up here in a bit. Plus also as well, which latest reboot idea excites Josh the most? Is it Ally McBeal, Ferris Bueller, or Ocean's Eleven? Or does any of them excite him at all? We'll talk about that. Plus She-Hulk, he has thoughts on that coming up on the back end of the show as well. But first, my friend, it is the box office. And this weekend, it is Dragon Ball Super, Superhero. Earning about $21, $22 million domestically here at the box office in what usually is a very front-loaded first weekend movie. It usually will drop about 75 to 80% for its second and third weeks and then pretty much be forgotten about from there until it hits home video or streaming of some type. But for now, we can rejoice that Dragon Ball Super superhero is the number one box office movie right now in america your thoughts on it you actually did go to the theater redeem the ticket it actually worked this time and actually showed off after the fiasco of last week where seemingly so many outlets messed up on the release date your thoughts on dragon ball super superhero i liked it it was you know there's a lot of exposition a lot of like build up to things happening but i thought it was it was good it was because you know when you think of dragon ball you think of two characters you think of goku you think of vegeta mm-hmm. and this was a nice tribute dragon ball super especially had this big focus on those two characters but dragon ball superhero it was a tribute to the characters who got left behind mainly gohan and piccolo and they did talk about how Gohan has like the power to be the most powerful, like you know, Saiyan warrior on the planet. So I, I feel like with the, the coming Dragon Ball series that is being worked on, whatever that ends up being, whether it's like Super Two or whatever they're doing, I think that he's going to play a big part in that. 
and then they kind of gave Piccolo like a new form. They called it Orange Piccolo, so they're not really being imaginative with that. But anyways, they kind of give them a moment to shine, which is cool. They bring back the Red Ribbon Army, so like Gohan's cleaning up an old enemy that his dad had allegedly defeated back in the day. You know, and then it features Trunks and Goten and all, all like the Krillin and all like the the, the sub characters that often get overshadowed in the wake of Goku and Vegeta. So it was good. It had some comedic elements to it, it had some serious elements to it. They introduced a Cell Max, so it was basically is a nice um, ode to the Cell the Cell Saga, where Gohan actually was the most powerful fighter there. And it, yeah, I I have to say I enjoyed it. My my oldest daughter came out going, "Where was Goku and Vegeta?" You know, because they just have a brief scene with them, but she ended up liking it. Even if you don't know anything about Dragon Ball, you can sit down and watch Dragon Ball Super Superhero and still get something out of it. And we've talked about this before as far as the long history and lineage of the IP when it concerns the video game side. About Mm -hmm. at one time, they were releasing as much as, what, two or three releases of the Dragon Ball series each and every year. And, you know, they still do bring out games from time to time. But now when you're talking about as well from the video and film end, it's now a long lineage of history there. Obviously the, what's where the, you know, the video games originate from, but this IP is huge in certain parts of this culture, in certain parts of this anime world, people take it for granted. But I think after understanding you know what's going on with the box office and the fact that it hit number one in the box office and we talk about this whenever an anime movie hits number one at the box office it's usually very front loaded the fan base is very fervent the first week or two weeks and then basically they go and support it on a home video and streaming format but really it just sends a message each and every time that for the first week or two the anime versions of these ips should not be discounted at all. Oh, absolutely not. And, and it's, you know, it's interesting because you go into like these, the newer animes, you know, Demon Slayer. Because if Demon Slayer came out, it would do the same thing. It hits right, right to number one and it would do a ton of box office the first week. Right, right. But if you look at something like Demon Slayer, it's got like a newer fan base, like newer anime fans are on board with it. But if you go to like walking into the Dragon Ball Theater, you have people from all different walks of life. Like you have kids in there, you have newer anime fans. You and then you have people like me who grew up with the series. Don't really watch a lot of anime anymore, but you know we're just we're there. You know, like people in their 30s, people in their 40s, people who like grew up watching the show or you know maybe caught onto the show because their kids liked it. Like it's just every walk of life was represented in that movie theater, and I thought that that was really cool because. You know, I do have great memories as a kid going like I would ride my bike to Target and pick up the new Dragon Ball VHSs as they came out. You know, the ones that like formed the picture on the side. That was a big part of my childhood. And I like looking around that theater, like I can tell that it was the same thing for everybody else in there. And that's something that is really cool to me. You mentioned Demon Slayer. And if that came out that you're right, it would skew a lot younger. It would skew teenagers like my daughter. My youngest daughter is a huge fan of Demon Slayer. So mm-hmm. it would skew towards her and around that age, as opposed to, like you said, because Dragon Ball has been an IP famous in the anime world for decades. Mm-hmm. And that it transcends now individuals who saw it in the 90s, 2000s, and now today. Like what if we reach a system where it's not so many like big, 
budget films coming out but a lot of films like dragon ball you know like these yeah. these anime series because anime is still new it's like, i mean it's been out since the 90s but like it's still a relatively new fad in america much like comic book culture took so many years to grow but now we're seeing anime start to like build momentum here and you know obviously with 28 million dollars in revenue like this is something that is uh, there's a market for it my hope is that we'll get to see more stuff like this as the uh, as the months and uh, years go on absolutely i mean to give everybody an idea how popular it is and front-loaded it is i mean it it clearly doubled what the second place movie the a movie beast with idris elba a famous actor has supported many projects he's a favorite of us as far as his work is concerned his movie beast came out with only you know less than half 10 million at domestic box office so that tells you right there the power of dragon ball super superhero and the growing fascination people have with anime i know that netflix obviously crunchyroll they've become major powerhouses in the world of anime showcasing the different types of things that are out there in the world of anime. We know that even Disney and Disney Plus has touched on anime with the Star Wars anime series. And, you know, it's something that people are now taking seriously. We know that live action movies are coming in the realm as far as Netflix with One Piece. We know they, but they, that Netflix has already delved into live action. So far, mixed results as far as that's concerned, but they are coming out with a One Piece live action. So, the anime industry is becoming bigger and hotter and more popular than ever. And I'm, I'm happy to see that. I'm happy to see that type of influence. Still waiting for that live action Akira, seeing if they're going to go ahead and make that oh a reality. Gosh, that seems to beautiful. be. Yeah. So I think you and I will be like, uh, I don't know. I think we'll be dead and buried in the ground for like 10 years when it finally comes out <laughs> because it seems to be in like production what a hell be. yeah right right but i mean even like after the original generation of people that watched akira are gone and buried and somehow akira is still like just as a pop culture icon with people like yes. how, what a legacy like as a, a, uh what's the atomo what atomo i think is the guy's name that wrote that but wow what what a legacy to leave behind well, I told you the first time we talked about anime on the show, I said the first thing and the uh, the first anime property I ever saw was Akira, which I would not recommend to everybody because the fact it is so wonderful and it's still, even so many years later, so good that it kind of ruins you for so many years on watching anything else in the anime industry. And it did for me for a long time because I, I, yeah. I compared it to anything I watched, I compared it to Akira. And it just paled in comparison. But now that that the anime industry has evolved, I you know as far as so many different aspects of it, there's now more things to watch that are of real good quality. Dragon Ball, we mentioned as far as you know, just a Demon Slayer, and just all these different properties now that are out there. It's finally okay to say, you know what? There are things that be all, uh, have evolved beyond Akira. Akira is still great and a classic in and of itself, but there's still so many things to watch within the world of anime. Dragon Ball series. How do you think that would transcend into a live action piece? See, As we I, thought, I, it was, it was that's going to be hard. I don't know. First time. I, yeah. Remember, I, I liked what Netflix did as far as bringing an anime property life. And you mm -hmm. saw they didn't support it and they cut it out after 10 episodes and they canceled it. So which one is that? 
that was, of course, Cowboy Bebop. Oh, Cowboy Bebop. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yes. No, I, then, I remember. Just One Piece long. is coming up. We'll see what we're there. Yeah. And again, it just depends on how much love you will get it and how much money you'll support behind it. Will it look good on the screen? Yeah. I really enjoyed the Cowboy Bebop series. I know it kind of tailed off at the end for a lot of people. I know that the fact that it got canceled, I think it should have given life as a second season, maybe given some chance. tweaks. Yeah, yeah, but it never got the chance. Never got the chance indeed. But getting back to what we're seeing with Dragon Ball Super Superhero, we are definitely liking what we're seeing from there. And we know it just sends a message to the movie industry and Hollywood out there that the anime industry is real, is popular, and is taking notice that it is something that could be evolving even more down the road with both live action and more, of course, anime for all these different streaming and movie outlets. So really looking forward to seeing what the future holds for Dragon Ball Super, Superhero, and everything as well in the anime industry. What are your thoughts out there on Dragon Ball Super, Superhero? You heard Josh's review. He liked it. Did you like it too? Or are you ready to go ahead and check out Dragon Ball Super, Superhero today? Please let us know your thoughts. Pop Culture Cosmos at Yahoo.com. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. Well, my friend, much more to talk about on today's program. HBO has this little return that they intend to go ahead and show off tonight as we're recording this. HBO's House of the Dragon. Much hyped, putting over $100 million of Warner Brothers money, which right now is very much controversial right now. In fact, right around the type of money it takes to go ahead and put out a Batgirl movie. But, you know, need I digress on that? But as far as to advertise this major series coming up for HBO and HBO Max, your thoughts on this prequel to the Game of Thrones where the Targaryens, they're facing off. The House of Targaryens is definitely in an uproar about what's going on. The fight for the Iron Throne begins. Your thoughts and your excitement and your anticipation for HBO's and HBO Max's House of the Dragon. So I've been talking about this show for a bit with my wife and we're we're gonna watch it she wants to get into game of thrones but she like made the mistake of jumping in like mid-season on like the first or second season of the the show and she kind of got bored game of thrones is almost all exposition until like the last two seasons so it is tough i understand that so we're gonna start with house of the dragon and we're gonna watch that and then once that ends we'll jump into game of thrones and hopefully by that time john snow's show or whatever it's called will be out but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to go back to that world. Like, I'm in no hurry to watch Game of Thrones again. You know, it's just, it was interesting. It was intriguing, but it got boring. So that last season, as you and I bemoaned on this show, yeah. was not what all it was cracked up to be. Yeah. So, and then like, I look at House of the Dragons and it does have dragons in it, you know, it has dragons and it has swords and, and I don't know if there's any sorcery in there, but it like, it has all the stuff that makes a good fantasy show so like i'm i'm and they've obviously learned their lessons from the shortcomings of game of thrones so i'm really like expecting the big things from the show which i guess is going to make it all the more disappointing if it's not that great but yeah i mean this is something i'm definitely 
ready to head into. What about you? Are, are you excited to watch this? I'm not excited to watch it. I'm not a huge Game of Thrones fan, as I told you during our course of our, our reviewing of the last season. Uh, it's something that I did get back into in season six and season seven. I actually stepped out after Sean Bean got cut off, literally. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, thought that was a turnoff to me at the time, so I kind of said, you know what, no Ned Stark, really just not interested in it, but you know what? I got back into it as because it was just so popular. You got to check it out, Gerald. You got to check it out, Gerald. You got to check it out. I heard so much of that in my daily life. I said, fine, I'll check it out. And six, season six and season seven, it was really getting good. I was really starting to enjoy it. Then season eight happened and, you know, it all yeah. went downhill from there. So, I mean, I guess I'm okay going into it. I'm looking more forward to the Lord of the Rings yeah, yeah. series to me, and it's not even close, but I am going to go ahead and check it out. I mean, just because it's going to be what everybody's going to be talking about for the next few days. So I am going to be checking out and sharing some thoughts on it. So yes, I will go ahead and do so, but it's just not something I like. I got to go ahead and have to see, but I just know I will mm -hmm. make some time for it just because of the fact that I know that it's going to be what everybody's going to be talking about this week it's a pop culture movement yeah absolutely yeah. just the, people are now excited for it and of course this comes at a time where hbo and hbo max and this whole hbo discovery conglomerate is really in need of some good press after some many weeks of really hard times about all the money that they've lost all the shows mm -hmm. that they've cut the movies that they've cut the fact that they just cut over 200 episodes of Sesame Street off of HBO Max because they yeah, didn't want to pay the residual. Oh, the is, that, is that what's going on? Okay. Mm -hmm. It's all about all residuals. Right. Well, I was curious my, like, where that was coming from. You know, my friend, the old thing that we say, it's about the money. It's always about yeah. the money. So, yeah. yeah, it's just always about the residual. That's why they've been cutting out all these things from HBO Max. So. Well, I'm hoping that they can go ahead and generate some good news. I know a lot of people will be looking forward to it. But yes, right now it comes off the very bad time for HBO Max and HBO right now with all the bad publicity it's gotten. So hopefully this will turn things around for them in a good way. So we're looking forward to seeing what's coming up with HBO's House of the Dragon. Are you looking forward to getting back into the Game of Thrones with the prequel House of the Dragon and looking for some dragons? Please let us know your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, before we hit the break, my friend, it's back for all you NFL video game lovers out there. Madden NFL 23 hit store shelves late last week. I know the NFL players are tweeting about whether or not they like their NFL player ratings. The game itself is getting mediocre reviews. Nothing too outlandishly great this time around. I know the microtransactions are back, which I know everybody is not too happy about. I mean, at one time before Call of Duty, this was the annual event game. It is still oh. a very popular game. It's mm -hmm. still, let me, I'm, and I'm going to just stress that out there. NFL will be pushing this. You'll see this on NFL games. It's still going to be something that's, that's pushed out there. But FIFA has evolved beyond it as the number one sports game in the world out there. But it's still extremely popular. But yes, as I mentioned before, back in the 90s, with you know when it evolved on Genesis, and then in the early 2000s, before Call of Duty really kicked in, it was the yearly event game that came out that people had to have 
your thoughts on where Madden stands now in the pantheon of the video game industry? You know, that's a tough question because, you know, as we've discussed before, like the landscape of media has changed. Like people are not spending money the way that they used to blame it on streaming services, blame it on COVID. It's just the, 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 the world has changed. And so, well, the video game industry got huge over the past two years because everybody was stuck it, at home. It did, this but year, was, not so much. Right, right. But was when, when it got big right there, were people buying brand new games? They were downloading it digitally. They were downloading them digitally. But I mean, we saw more of like a rise in physical games for stuff that had been out for what, 20 plus years. It was a retro games got it this huge like it's a boom but the brand new industry yeah rock. the video game industry has gotten huge profits in the 2020 21 and 22 yes. this year is when it's fallen it's fallen hard because it's not been able to replicate what the past two years have been for the video game industry no no and and we're not getting um, with those covid relief checks right so we're not getting just like money that we can throw away like that so looking at something like madden like in a time where people don't have as much disposable income or trying to hang on to it. I don't look at a game like Madden or NBA 2K or, you know, even MLB, the show. I don't see games like that doing so well. You know, even like looking at NHL 2K, it, you see all the, or NHL 17, it, it, all these sports properties, right? You go to Target, you go to Best Buy, you go to Walmart. These games are on sale like every other week for 50% off. So, I mean, that goes to, to tell me that like people aren't really scooping these games up like they used to like some people every year it was the madden it was nhl nba it was call of duty all these yearly games this would be the one thing that people bought per year but now you don't see that anymore like you, you don't see people willing to go out and pay for things like that i th still think that this month it will lead the mpd i think just because of the fact that it has a fan base large enough to go ahead and support it but you're right. What it does in September, October, November, December, and beyond is going to be interesting to see how much people still will support it in the coming weeks and months. Again, you'll see it advertised all over NFL games, and that's going to be a big help to it because of the fact that NFL games are so popular here in the United States and even mm -hmm. in abroad in certain areas. So Madden should benefit from that. But how much, like you said, it all depends on if people want to go ahead and spend their disposable income, whatever they have of it, which is not what they had in the past two years, yeah. is going to be a lot different. So, I mean, you know, I think that people are going to go ahead and still spend money on it. But to the extent that what they did in the past two years, no, I think the situation and the landscape has changed and the video game purchases are going to be limited. Plus the fact that there's been such a dearth of releases that mm -hmm. people just may be forced to go ahead and get it just because of the fact that it's something new with so many games that have been canceled and pushed to 2023. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to go pick up a Madden game out of boredom, like there are definitely a lot better things you could be spending your money on. And we'll uh, talk about that here in a second with Saints Row. Yeah, yes. Perhaps there are people that are going to go. I, I'm, I mean, I'm sure there are people that are going to go out and buy it because I... I you know, I remember seeing like pre-order parties for this stuff back in the day and people people do get excited about these games. But when you look at something like this, you look at the way that people are spending their money and you look at the fact that like Madden could easily just put out be a digital game that puts out a patch each year to upgrade players. It makes it seem like 60 to 70 dollars is a really steep price point for something like that. 
I remember the days back when I was running game stores where it would be two, 300 pre-orders for Madden before it came out. Mm-hmm. Those days I don't see that are there, but it is still very much a vaunted franchise. And I still think it's going to lead the MPD for this month anyways, but what it does beyond or for the rest of the year, it's still in question, but I still think there's a love for Madden because people have to get the latest yearly episode of Madden as Madden NFL 23 Mm -hmm. has hit the store shelves, but it's long-term success. We'll find out what that will be. And I think that this year will go a long way to determine the long-term success of the franchise. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What are your thoughts out there on Madden NFL 23? Are you playing it already or are you getting ready to go ahead and get in the huddle? and get yourself a copy of Madden. Are you tiring of the yearly installments of this video game franchise that has been such a big part of the industry for decades now? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. And if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, Holy Grails, play sets, what if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that, and of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show season two, exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. Well, we're back on the back half of the show. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here with, of course, my good friend, Mr. Josh Culture Cosmos, aka Josh Peterson. Before we go ahead on the back end of the show, it is that time again to go ahead and remind you that the Happy Hoarder is on the way. There's a new update that we have for you. So, Josh, you recently posted on social media a date for a time that you will go live with the Happy Hoarder. Heck yeah, man. September 2nd, we're going to be launching the website. And in the days leading up, if you want to follow the Facebook page, I'm going to be talking a little bit about some of the things that we'll have on launch day. And yeah, I'm really excited about it. All right. If you want to go ahead and check it out again, September 2nd. That's going to be happyhoarder.com. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Or you can get the latest updates if you like the page, The Happy Hoarder, on Facebook and support his GoFundMe, which you can go ahead and help finance and make true the reality for Josh and The Happy Hoarder right now on GoFundMe as well. Appreciate it. But my friend, there's so much more to talk about on today's program. Speaking of video games that are coming out this week and a game that probably should have been best to come out maybe a month ago instead of right after, like you said, spending 60 or $70 on Madden NFL 23 is the reboot of Saints Row. Having two games that are going to be a little bit more higher profile than the average video game coming out back to back in a year where there's not as many video game releases or high profile releases is kind of not the best idea. But your thoughts on this, it is a reboot of Saints Row, a very much beloved video game series from the past that was a very crazy, outlandish, very comedic, open world, very amusing satire of GTA in many ways. Your thoughts on this reboot of a more serious, more grounded Saints Row, is this the right move and is this something you really wanted to see? So I do not have any interest in playing Saints Row. Like I know that people love it or hate it, but for me, it's not really something I am 
in a hurry to play. Like I played the last Saints Row entry. I forget what Saints Row three, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, it, it was fun for a little bit, fun for a few days. And then I just kind of got over it. It's not something on my list of games I'm dying to play. To go ahead in this direction to make it a more general, standardized action game, it's gonna. I think it's going to still have the open world elements from what I'm seeing, but to bring it out at a time like this, it's just coming off the heels of Madden NFL 23. Like you said, people are already spending 60 or $70 who are interested in buying video games again. I still think this would have been a great July release. It would have been more high profile because it would have been the only real big game release of July and just didn't decide to do it. And I just sometimes these video game publishers just blow my mind with the kind of things that they do. It's always like the video game publishers outside the Nintendo when they release something the first week of December when you could have released it just before Black Friday, which is, you know, obviously a big shopping time. Just the way they planned out some of these things is just not too bright. I just don't think putting this right after Madden no. was, especially in a light year like this, was a great idea. No, and then you you look at a game like this, and it kind of reminds me of like the Death Stranding director's cut and the Ghost of Tsushima director's cut. Like these were games were like, oh, it'd be cool if those existed, but then nobody ended up buying them. So, oh, well, don't start with Death Stranding. It was a controversy on Death Stranding and the PC Games Pass. It's not coming on Xbox Games Pass, so Xbox yeah, players that's... are really mad right now. Yeah, I'm curious if there's like a. Uh... What do you call it? Some kind of exclusivity type of imagine all locked yeah. in with Sony. But anyways, like you see those games three months later, they're on clearance at Walmart, you know, for half the price. So I kind of imagine that that's where this game's going to go. There's not a lot of marketing going on for this game either. No. So it makes me wonder, like the developers even have any faith in this or they sent out to die, as we often say about movies. Yeah. Are they just kind of like throwing up a prayer and hoping it reaches the ears of the divine? And and again, in a year, and I'm going to stress this again, in a year with so few big name releases, so few high profile releases, it just seems very curious why they would go ahead and put it out with such little fanfare right behind Madden NFL 23 when you have pretty much most of the year to go ahead and bring this out in. And just it seems to me like a missed opportunity with a game that gets canceled or moved to 2023 seemingly every week it just seems to me like it's a no-brainer how bad this year has been yeah exactly what are your thoughts out there on saints row the rebooted game that's coming out this week people are excited about it but not that many are you excited about saints row the reboot coming to store shelves and being able to get a chance to play it and get into the world of saints row once again it's going to be a marketed change and difference from the type of saints row that you're used to playing before back in the day so are you excited for this reimagining and revisioning of saints row please let us know your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com well before we hit the break my friend i wanted to go ahead and talk real quick about lord of the rings because last week i went through the newswire that The rights for much of The Lord of the Rings, outside of the books, of course, as far as the actual publishing or anything of that nature, but the movie rights and everything surrounding The Lord of the Rings outside of the books and, of course, the movies that were released under the new line Warner Brothers movies that everybody has known and seen and loved, everything outside of that and the books, all the rights to it was 
purchased for I think two billion dollars plus by the Embracer yeah. Group. Crazy, yeah, that kind of came out of nowhere. Like you know, they've been in the news a lot lately, but I was yeah. not expecting them to scoop up a property like Lord of the Rings. So, and I, I mentioned guess... this company that they're a Swedish investment group. They're mm-hmm. not a publisher per se, but they have a lot of publishers and development studios under their auspices because they bought Gearbox. They bought THQ Nordic, which we talked about, and several right. others they bought over the years. But they're more of an investment firm. And to go ahead and buy the rights to this, as far as the Lord of the Rings, as far as the movie rights, the which surprised me, the theme park rights mm-hmm. and video game rights and other things relating to it, all these different rights that they have now – they're talking about doing a whole bunch of movies, you know, it's because they have the rights to what was spoken and written about in the world of J.R. Tolkien. That's going to be something very interesting to see how this relates to their grand design. Now, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to do as well with the property as what we've seen from the new line cinema and what they ultimately did with all the great stuff that they did with Lord of the Rings and what we're seeing now with Amazon, hopefully in a couple of weeks with their version of Lord of the Rings going into the second age. Well, you know, you, it's and the rings of power. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, that's also very interesting because the embracer group, like they own a bunch of game development studios, but they do not own any film production studios. So but they talk about it. They talked about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they'd like to, but they would ultimately have to contract to a new line cinema or a legendary pictures or, or a Disney or Disney even to get these movies made. And that, that will come with a reduction in profit for them. But yeah, yeah it's, it's a very interesting move. I also am curious here, like the Embracer group is interesting because the guy that started it, he originally started out as like, a game seller like he would buy it and sell games and then like remember he remember built up his warehouse so it's all yeah most of his stuff centers around game development but never movies so this is like such a surprise thing i also wonder though like now that he has the lord of the rings are they going to be putting out games you know in that world created by like thq nordic in which case like no uh-uh no please no yeah. Gollum is going to be coming out next year that people are kind of mixed on the reactions to that as far as how it looks so far. So that's part of the reason why they pushed it back to 2023. But yeah, if you go and you give this to THQ Nordic, I really think that's a miss, especially Mm -hmm. after our conversation on THQ Nordic last week that people need to check out. I think that it's the best idea. If you have Gearbox Entertainment under your wing, I'd probably say it's probably the best move that you can make because that seems to be the best development studio that you have under your wing. They've got several. So they're not a publisher per se, but we have a feeling that they're going to acquire more studios in order to go ahead and make sure that they have someone or something that's going to be able to do these a little bit better justice than what a THQ Nordic does. Because if they give it into THQ Nordic, you and I already just see, if you look at our faces on the video that we're doing right now, you could tell that that would probably be the wrong move. Mm, yeah, absolutely be the wrong move. Even if they worded it to acquire another AAA developer, like I still don't see it. Like they obviously, quality control is not something they seem to really care about. I mean, because so the Lord of the Rings Gollum game, it's looking okay. And that's being done by Datalik. 
Mm-hmm. And that's not a high-end video game maker either. That's someone that's right around in that THQ Nordic range with some mm-hmm. hits and some misses. So I don't know. It just needs like if you go ahead and we both want a high-end Lord of the Rings game, whether it's a you know an yeah. MMORPG or an action game. We both have very fond memories of the Two Towers and how that was a great, great video game back in the day. And yeah, it just seems to me like you could really do this well, but you can also blow it as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, and you got to look at two of them saying like, oh, we want to make spinoff movies on the origins of like Gandalf and Galadriel and Aowen and all that. That's what I've seen. Yeah, it, you got, it's, stick to that old proverb. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. And if they're going to go about basically like making stuff that's outside the canon because from everything i understand the amazon show and the movies they're connected to each other that's what they have the rights to is what is ever in the movies yeah yeah so they're those ones are connected to each other so i would hope that they wouldn't make something that would not be connected to that but i also you wouldn't make an acquisition like lord of the rings unless you had plans to reboot at some point well the embracer group yeah they have access to the books whatever in the books is theirs not to the movies uh so that's something that people have to go ahead and differentiate and like you said they go ahead and start making their own gandalf movie and their own eowyn movie and their own aragorn movie and galadriel movie you know then it's going to get put the point yes they're trying to go ahead and maximize it for all it's worth i really think the money is in the theme ride they should yeah. go to Disney or they should go to Universal and say, you know what, really want to go ahead and license a, a ride through you guys. I really think that's a good financial opportunity. That's where I would go to first. That's just yeah. me. That would be ideal. And Universal, as we've seen from their stuff in Florida, like they are probably the right people to do something like that because they have, you know, they've got some Disney properties on their on their lots. And yeah, that'd be a, a great move for them. They probably just send it to Six Flags, and there you go. Oh my gosh, no, that's where our Sea World. That's where those are where theme park ideas go to die. Pretty much. But what are your <laughs> thoughts out there on the Embracer Group purchasing the rights from the books, the characters and places and ideas from J.R.R. Tolkien's books? What are your thoughts out there on the Embracer Group purchasing much of the rights of the Lord of the Rings? Please share us your thoughts. Pop Culture Cosmos at Yahoo.com. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. My friend, it's been a great episode, but before we head on out, still got a little bit to talk about, including Archer coming back for Season 13 on FX and Hulu this week. I'm kind of excited about it because Archer's been that show that I may not always catch on the first run, but I always catch it like maybe a few months down the line. I get some chuckles out of it. It's always got this really 
grand way of going ahead and showcasing her humor. It's really self-deprecating. It's a lot of fun. It, it doesn't take itself seriously at all. It's been under the radar now for 13 seasons going on, and it really is something that I think a lot of people should go out of their way to check out if they haven't already. It's a lot of fun, and I think it's a good series that that's just something, again, that I think that people should go out of their way to go ahead and check out. Yeah, you know, I kind of fell off that wagon for a little bit. I was, I remember I, I really loved the first like three or four seasons. Really funny. I always watched it with my friends and we talk about it all the time. And then I kind of just stopped because it reached the point where there's, they're on like season seven. I was like, oh, it's never going to end. So I kind of fell off of it for a while. But still, like when it's on, I'll watch it. You know, to me, it's like The Simpsons. Like it's just, it's endearing and much like Dragon Ball, like it speaks to its audience in a way that keeps them relevant. Looking at them going into like 12 seasons, like, yeah, John Benjamin, like that guy is on so many things now and like good, good for him. He's really made a big name out of himself with Bob's Burgers and uh, Archer and he was in home movies originally. So, yeah, I mean, as long as people aren't telling you to stop making something, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't want to just continue it, especially if it's got that edgy humor that people seem to have come to know and love about the show. Well, it's like one of those series now. It's now in the group of series that have been out for over a decade or right around a decade, or in, in the case of The Simpsons, going on three decades, that you could, okay, you may miss a few seasons of The Simpsons, but you can always pick it up at any point in time. Same thing with South Park. Same thing with Family Guy, Bob's Burgers. I'd put Archer in that realm. It's now getting to the point where you can start adding in Rick and Morty because that's going on season seven. That's coming up around the corner as far as the debut for that. So yeah, these long running animated series, adult comedies that are really kind of funny in its own way. They're just like, they're like comfort food. Yeah. You know they're there. You know they're producing stuff each and every week. You don't follow it anymore each and every week. But when you catch it, you always know why you enjoyed it in the first place. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, I mean, like like I said with The Simpsons, I guess what kind of makes that show so great is that you don't have to like know any pre-existing mythology. If you're sitting at home one day and you're like, oh, I'm just going to turn on the TV for a few minutes, eat a snack. You can just jump into it and enjoy it. There's no pre-existing knowledge required for it. Yeah, especially, you know, Archer, he's always getting himself into some kind of trouble. The mm -hmm. world's in danger. He always yeah. manages to go ahead and save the day in his own inevitable way and just did, yeah. Yeah, it's, get some laughs in and, and go from there. But yeah, it's just something you're very much familiar with. Once you've seen one, you've seen them all. But again, the way it amuses you out there, it's just something that is always there for you. And it's always something entertaining to see when you do so. Archer yeah. hit season 13 this week. Are you going to catch it? Are you a fan? Or as my daughters would say, are you an Archer stan? And going ahead and checking out this week, or are you just going to go ahead and check it out in your own time? Please let us know your thoughts on Archer and where it stands with all these great animated comedies we've seen over the years. Please let us know your thoughts on Archer and where it stands in your heart. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com well, before we hit our last subject about reboot ideas, which I know Josh is not too thrilled about, before we head on out, you got a chance to check out She-Hulk Episode 1. I shared my thoughts on it. I thought it was okay. That was pretty good. I thought the front and the back end of the episode were its failings, but the middle part, the middle 20 minutes of banter back and forth between Mark Ruffalo and Tatiana Maslany were very, very good and definitely worth the watch. Your thoughts on She-Hulk episode one before we head on out? 
I, I think it did a lot of things really well. Like I, I can honestly say that I didn't sit there and watch it and wonder when it was going to be over. You know, that's well, something it feels I've been very doing. quick. It's a little over it, 30 minutes. It does. But I mean, I don't know about you, but anything in this new line of Marvel stuff, I've always looked at my watch or the clock at least once while watching these shows, even on Moon Knight. Like I liked it, but I just there was I was like, oh, is this going to keep going like this or what's what's happening here? So that being said, like She-Hulk, I I actually really enjoyed, you know, I looked at my wife while we were watching. I was like, there's honestly nothing that I'm objecting to in this show. Like it it is. It's great. You know, like it's looking very at that, fast paced. It's very fast paced. It's funny. You know, it's got a lot of humor. Like I love the dynamic between Tatiana Maslany. Uh, yeah. I, her and Mark Ruffalo. Like I love the dynamic between their two characters and the like competitiveness. And it just, it, I don't know. It was just, it was fascinating and it was fun. And it was something that I do see myself going back to next week to watch the next episode. I do want to say, though, like I absolutely loved, even if it was done in a comedic way, I loved the arc that Mark Ruffalo had in there because they're painting a picture of the Hulk in a way that he's alone. You know, he's lonely, you know, and like even seeing on the bar top how he had Tony Stark's initials carved into the bar because they like built that thing together. Like that hit me really hard because much like Thor now, the Hulk is used for comedic relief. You don't really get to see those emotional aspects of him. And this yeah. show, even though it was funny, they still painted a picture of a very lonely person who has taken that mantle of responsibility a lot farther than he should have to. Well, I definitely enjoyed the banter back and forth between Bruce Banner and Jennifer Walters, the characters within the realm of She-Hulk. I really liked the fact that their back and forth was what made it special for me. I was hoping, again, that they would stretch this out, this training over the course of two episodes before they they went back to her life back in Los Angeles. I also wanted to see more of her life before she became She-Hulk, but of course they went right smack dab into the origins of She-Hulk, so they didn't yeah. get a chance to do that. So I was kind of disappointed on that. And then on the back end, there is a confrontation that really has no explanation it was a showcase piece i think i i, yeah. I wondered the same thing my wife turns she's like what why did that happen who is that and i think it's just yeah. like a showcase piece they needed that to happen for the next parts because obviously like they're gonna recruit her to be a representative for the um you know superhero thunderbolts powered people thunderbolts yeah whatever yeah so that was unexpected and, and weird but they did that wrong you know that kind of bothered me and there was one other thing that i can't quite remember at the moment but for the most part like the show was actually really good it was it was great i would say oh they referenced the spaceship that like caused them to fly off the road like yes from sakar yeah so i hope that sakar okay so that's gonna lead into mostly a world war hulk when marvel gets back the movie rights next year from universal yeah, okay. So Sakar is the leads into the Hulk's son is named Scar and he lives yes. on the planet Sakar. So From that's... Thor Ragnarok. Oh yes, yes. Okay. So that will be interesting. I enjoyed it. It was a good show. I'm just And curious. her fascination with Captain America's love life obviously yeah, was it. That, that that didn't need to happen. Honestly, like that was just like it was funny, but the fact that that was what everybody took away from the episode was uh yeah. not <laughs> yeah. even chris evans i guess uh didn't know in advance and then he uh, had a good laugh over it but mm -hmm. kevin feige 
actually is the individual who gave permission to go ahead for them to go ahead and elaborate on it and yeah. theorize on it. And Hulk knew all along the actual insides into the love life of Captain America. Who knew? Who knew? Who knew or why they even like felt the need to focus on it that hard? I think it was just because of a joke. Yeah, you're right. It was a focus, a great bit of focus on the episode. And it had everyone talking. I think it had it took away from, like you said, from the actual best parts of the episode, which was the banter between Jennifer Walters and Bruce Banner in the episode, which again was the was the best part of the episode. But yeah. they wanted something to create some interest. And I guess they did it with uh, Captain America's love life out there in the, in the world. So, yeah. Wouldn't you know? Wouldn't you know indeed? But <laughs> if you have thoughts out there on She-Hulk episode one, again, it was a pretty good episode for me. It seemed like it was a pretty good episode for Josh as well. Please let us know your thoughts. We'll be having thoughts on episode two coming up on the Friday show, plus also what Josh thinks about the episode two coming up next week as well. So please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Plus also on the Friday show with Melinda and I, Looking forward to talking about Gamescom, at least the start of it. And on the back end, Josh and I will talk about Gamescom on the back end on the Monday show. So Gamescom all weekend long right there for you. Don't forget that, plus other stuff as well coming up. But before we head on out, my friend, I wanted to go ahead and hit you up with this because Deadline, it seemed to be all on the same day. All these came out in as far as the same day on the Friday news dump that the latest reboot ideas that are in development are a return for Ally McBeal, even though there'll be a younger actress playing it, but Callista Flockhart is going to be still involved. There's going to be a reboot of Ferris Bueller and a reboot of Ocean's Eleven with Ryan Gosling possibly involved. And even Margot Robbie's name has been mentioned as well. So I want to hear your thoughts on this. I really like Ocean's Eleven, the, the movies. I really enjoyed my time watching those movies. Ferris Bueller, I know, has a place in 80s history. I thought it was an okay movie. Bueller, Bueller, Bueller. I really don't have the fascination with it that many did as far as embracing it, as far as a great part of the 80s, but I thought it was okay. And then, of course, Ally McBeal, which is an early 2000s hit for ABC at that point in time. Your thoughts? Are you excited for any of these reboots? Because to me, I'm just like, eh. They're there. I think they could do something yeah. different. But then again, this is entertainment and this is Hollywood. And we know they always go back to reboots at some point in time. So my problem with reboots and these like sequels of long dead properties are it's the fact that like we've been there. Those stories have been told. We've mined those worlds. The characters have been fully developed, especially Ferris Bueller. Like I feel those characters were developed to a point where like, I don't really need to see any more about them. You know, I feel like I was, I, I came out of the ending of that movie satisfied. The only good thing is that the Cobra Kai creators are working on it. Yeah. So allegedly that one's going to be more of like a, what happened afterwards. So they're talking about trying to get Matthew Broderick back. And uh, I forget the guy that plays Cameron, what his name was, but. They, uh, they actually did a very good job. Well, he's in succession. Okay. All right. Yeah. So they want They're talking about doing that and that might be cool. That, that could be something, but. You know, Ally McBeal and what was the other Ocean's Eleven? Like Ocean's Eleven, they they keep not learning their lesson. You know, that was such a great property. Ocean's Eleven is great. Ocean's Twelve is great. Ocean's Thirteen was okay, but then they put out Ocean's Eight. You know, like the all female cast. And I've talked to people say oh, it was okay, but like it just wasn't as well liked as the original ones, and it just didn't do that well. 
So I'm looking at this with like an Ocean's prequel with Ryan Gosling. I forget who the other actor or actress they got to play in that is. They're talking about Margot Robbie as far as being. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're actually doing the Barbie movie together. mm -hmm. I just like it's like that old saying, like, don't beat a dead horse. You know, like it's it just does anybody want this? Again, I have some great fond memories of watching the Ocean's movies. I even think Ocean's 13 is, is pretty good. I don't think it's as good as the first two, especially the second one. I thought Ocean's yes, Twelve is the yeah. best. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so Ocean's I think, Twelve is great. Yeah, yeah. I think Ocean's Twelve of the three is the best. Although all three, I can sit down and watch at any point in time because I think all three are pre- are are pretty good. But yeah, Ocean's Eight. I liked. I liked Ocean's Eight. I know again, like you said, there's there's a lot of flack against it, but I liked Ocean and enjoyed Ocean's Eight for what it was. But yeah, going back to it, I'm not in any hurry. I'd have actually liked to see in a series instead of going into a movie with a big name actor, kind of like going into a prequel series. I think that would probably have been better for the oceans IP, but that's just me. If you're going to have to go into it. I mean, there are some things out there I'd love to see rebooted. I mean, there's, there are things out there that we've talked about over the years that I'd love to see brought back to life. But yeah, these are three properties that I'm like, eh, okay. But although the Ferris Bueller idea since they're approaching it like the way they did with Cobra Kai, they could strike gold once again. If you were to look at a list of properties where people are like, oh, I really would love to go back to that world, was Ferris Bueller at the top, would you say? No, but if you're looking like Ferris Bueller and he's like uh, like what they did with Johnny Lawrence from Cobra Kai, having him be a man in his close to his 50s, well, that man in his 50s, face down from being drunk last night and coming back from that to going ahead and being where he is today like he's now one of the major forces behind cobra kai and now going into season five you see how well that they're doing and so anticipated and has now become a cornerstone of netflix you yeah. see that the paramount wants that so that's why they signed the guys up from cobra kai to go ahead and recreate that success for ferris bueller so i can't say i blame them yeah no, i i i mean i get why they do it it's just like not this is not a great time for like original stories you know we, we just has can't. there ever been in the since we've been doing this show no there hasn't but the 90s was like an amazing time for like granted like probably only about 30 percent of what was put out in the 90s was actually good but they like they just shot things off in every direction to see what would stick to the wall and at least there were options back then you know like you go into uh these like used bookstores that sell like vhs tapes and you just it's just so amazing just how much garbage came out at that time but you could still go and like watch it you know you can watch something that's not related to marvel you can watch a property that's not related to another property you have to watch 20 movies to understand this movie you know and that was something i i just i love and admire about that time of filmmaking what are your thoughts out there on the reboots in the works for oceans 11 ferris bueller and alec McBeal? please let us know your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com my friend it's been a great episode but any last thoughts before we head on out none that i can think of gamescom's coming up and you know i'd be curious to know what's coming out of there there's also been a lot of leaks ubisoft's like a very leaky ship when it comes to keeping their secrets and the the assassin's creed infinity stuff has been interesting to read so you know it'll be nice we'll discuss that i'm sure at a later date but it sounds like it's something that could be pretty cool well, we'll definitely go ahead and cover it for you coming up this week and this week on the PCC Multiverse and, of course, next Monday right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. So for Josh Peterson, 
This is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.